Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, okay. Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I am your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, the no, 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 notorious huh? Mikey Maximus the Furnicus Charette. Say what? Doc G, what is up, sir? How's it going? There's a little remix there for you, Mike. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I love Notorious. I love that jam. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's a good little, one. A little yeah, it is. after B.I.G. died, a little Puff Daddy mm. remix there. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Give, sure. give it to me For straight, sure. Mike. Where are you at? Hmm. One out of ten. I feel uh, I'm like at an 8.5, Doc G. Is it the move? I'm like an 8.5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely in the middle of a move, mm. feeling pretty lethargic. I could see that. So that's taken away from my, my nine energy. That that's, that's like my brother's worst nightmare. That's a fact. Is moving. He just, yeah. ugh, ugh. Just the, the whole concept. You fill out, you know, disarray. Where's my stuff? Yeah. I don't know. You mm-hmm. feel like just a, like some kind of, you know, I don't, what would you even, like some kind of traveling circus show. You're just like, yeah. ah, where's my stuff? I have no, I have no home. I'm a gypsy. Yes. What is this? Girl, come on. I'm in between. It's rough, just, and then it's just chaos. Yeah, yeah. But it's not even That's like you. It's not even like you mentally prepared for it. Like you're going out on the road for a bunch of shows or something. Like there, you no. know. Like okay, I'm out on the road. This is gonna yeah. be a road deal for a while. No. Here. And then you come back to your stuff. Yeah. In the order it was. Yeah. And now <laughs> you're just at home in disarray. It's rough. It's rough. I can yeah. see it taking you down to eight and a half. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Uh, Mike, I mean, th- th- that's very important for the show. We are mm-hmm. always sure. worried about your well-being. Uh, and you. there, there aren't many things that we will, you know, stop all show business and discuss. Mm-hmm. Especially people that we're not going to stop all show business uh, and discuss. We have a mm-hmm. couple of people. You know who some of those are. Who are some of those people that will stop? Tom Brady. Tom Brady, number one on the list, uh, right? Yeah. Number one on the list. Obviously, yeah. he's the biggest fan of the show, biggest supporter of the show, and we reciprocate that love. Also, For sure. Also, Mac Attack. Matthew McConaughey will generally, if it's interesting enough, like a pickle picture of him naked will stop, right? Yeah, we will. We will. In the old days, we used to do Paul Rudd. Uh, Paul Rudd. We'd stop for a mm-hmm. Paul Rudd story. It's pretty important. We still love him. Now, who's yeah. the person I haven't mentioned, Mike? Hmm. He's got a plant named after him. He's got graphs that people like to analyze as far as his love life. Who have we not mentioned? Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. That is right, Mike. And we've got some news of our compadre in the last couple of weeks. How's he doing? There's been some news, Mike, and it's it's arguably not good. It's arguably Uh. not good. Mike, it was rumored that he was romantically involved with model Eden Polani. Hmm. Now... 
Obviously, the reason this is news, Mike, is Eden Polani is 19 years Ooh. old. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, I will say we have his back here. I will say that does seem a tad extreme when you think about it, you know? When yeah, you, I was going to say less than 27. Yeah. <laughs> when, really specific. When, when, when she wasn't born and he was in the movie Gangs of New York before she was mm -hmm. born, that seems a little bit much, you know? Yeah. When you're old enough to be a, a full-blown gangster and the other mm -hmm. person hasn't been born yet, eh, but, you know, to, to each their own, <laughs> you know, Mike? And, and, and here's the thing. The rumor started because they were seen at a party sitting beside each other uh, and talking. Word. You know? That's all it takes. Yeah. And this, uh, this, this sent Twitter, TikTok, carrier pigeons, all forms of communication ablaze, yep. Mike. They were, people were disgusted at our man Leo again. Mm -hmm. And his sickness of dating attractive models. <laughs> it's a sickness, Mike. <laughs> you know? But uh, yeah. it, it didn't take long before the initial rumor. It came out that uh, Eden said she came out and was like, yeah, we're not dating. That's, that's not happening. And then multiple other sources said, yeah, they're not dating. Mm. You know? That's not happening. But it, it, it doesn't matter, Mike. That doesn't matter. The rumor mill still started cranking, you know, and people were just yeah. disgusted. But now, Mike, now, thanks to Daily Mail UK, we have some definitive information on the subject. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. I've got an article from this weekend, Mike. Here's the title. It says, it really bothers him. Leonardo DiCaprio is desperate to ditch his reputation for only dating mm. women under the age of 25. Word. Yes. Yes, Mike. In this story, a source close to Leo, and I'll go ahead and let the listeners know it's not me. Oh. That's not the source. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't go on record about these kind of things, guys, so don't think it was me. But another close source to Leo said that Leo is, quote, not pleased with the ongoing jokes and speculation mm. about his love life. That's right. That's right. Yeah. They went on to say, Mike, Leo is very single right now, and he is not keen on the hype suggesting that he is seeking out these very young women. He is looking for something more mature in the mm. relationship department. First off, mm. Mike, uh, I'm not really sure what the source was going with by saying... Very single. Hmm. Were they trying to make <laughs> make him look like a loser? No, no, no. He's way single. You guys <laughs> can't get a date. This guy, like, I don't really know about very single. Second, yeah. No judgment here, Leo, but mature in the relationship department. Hmm. That just sounds like a bummer. Blam. You know. Yeah. Mm. It does sound like. Just, he wants somebody who's been through the ringer. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> that's like if there were rumors out there uh, being like Leonardo DiCaprio has been looking for a decadent milkshake. Sweet. And then he comes out and denies it. Like, no, 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 guys. I'm looking for a high fiber cereal. Okay, that's what I want. <laughs> Something really up there makes me regular. Like, yeah, it's respectable, but it's just mm -hmm. 
It's not fun, you know? No. Now, Mike, in the no. article, once again, they showed us the graph comparing Leo's age versus his girlfriend's ages over the last 23 years. And once again, they proved definitively Leo is aging like a human being. So yeah, I'm glad to see that. <laughs> but, you know, after I realized this, Mike, I started thinking. I started thinking Leo's in the market for mature romance. Mm-hmm. Who could he go for? You know? At his level of stardom and success, who's available? You know? Mm. So I started taking down the list. I started looking at it, Mike. And first, let me say, obvious choice here, Jennifer Connelly. You know? Okay. Yeah, that's a good choice. They they famously fell in love in the movie Blood Diamond. They they were the lead characters. They were in love with each other. But here's the here's the here's the issue. Jennifer Connelly ruined the chances of this one by getting married 20 years ago. So, ah, uh, come on. Yeah, yeah. Way to go, Jennifer. Plus, uh, no offense to your husband, but Leo's sort of beating him in the looks department. I'm just gonna say, no offense. Yeah, I would agree. No Even though I have no idea what the guy looks it's just, like. Just my type. It's just my type. Anyways, mm-hmm. Mike. So uh, she's off the table. <laughs> She's off the table. So here's what I did, Mike. I found seven ladies that that would be viable options that are single that my, uh, that Leo can can date, and you uh, need to give us the choice who he's going to go. Thank with. you, Doc G. Yes. Thank you for putting together this list. Yes, <laughs> we really appreciate it. Very, <laughs> very important. Very important. Yes, it is. It definitely is. We have love this first number one. Hayden uh, Ah, uh, uh, yeah. 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 I always say her name wrong. I usually just say Patent Leather. That's how I pronounce her last name. <laughs> Completely wrong. But she is 33 years old, Mike, so a step mm. up. Quite a step up yeah. for Leo, you know? Um, she's got 14 years on Eden Polani, so basically she's a senior citizen, you know? So true. And um, <laughs> although... Here's one thing about her, Tad Frightening. Her ex-husband's Vladimir Klitschko. That's scary. Yeah. You know? Vladimir. Always a he's very intimidating. He's very big. He's a former heavyweight champion. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, they had some domestic issues, too. I would oh, not really? like that guy back in the picture. That would frighten me. Nah. You know? Okay, so that's number one. Put Hayden on the list. Number two, Olivia Wilde. Hmm. Hmm? Yeah. 38 years old, Mike. Bit of a dark horse. She's got some baggage, you know? Mm-hmm. A little baggage. Yeah. I don't know, you know, if I'd want to see this one, but I'd, I put her on the list just in case, you know? Yeah, okay. I mean, you, I'd get the feeling I'd just feel even worse for Jason Sudeikis, you know? Like, first you got to see your ex hanging all over Harry Styles, and then Leonardo DiCaprio's second? That's not, that's not cool. That's not yeah. that's not fun, you know. So I'm just saying. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, or or you know, it's like, hey, she's uh, she's, she's got some. I'm I'm in the I'm in the same yeah category I, of these guys. I I, you know? I was with her first. Boom. Yeah. Say what? We were in a relationship first, guys. Yeah. Wait wait way to way to show up late, you know. Any <laughs> anyways, number three, Mike Jessica Lowndes. You know Jessica Lowndes? No, who's that? She's 34 years old, a little bit of a lesser-known star here. Uh, did some digging on her bio. She's basically been in about 500 Hallmark and Lifetime movies. Sweet. Um, oh, okay. She's got a resume. 
quite 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 an attractive lady you know seems pretty low-key i think it'd be a good one i think it'd be a good one that's number four so you know see if you can bring her up pretty good solid uh look there Just, what was her name again jessica she- lowndes l-o-w-n-d-e-s jessica lowndes jessica lowndes number four mike kate beckingsell kate beckingsell 49 years old actually a little bit older than leo so mm. yeah I'm going to be honest. She seems a bit crazy. Yes! But you know who isn't? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, who isn't? She's got that fantastic British accent, makes her seem so proper, you know? She does all kinds of weird things on social media. So Kate Beckingsale. There we go. Number mm-hmm. four. Number five, Mike. Megan Fox. Megan Fox. And newly single, Mike. Newly single. Really? Yeah, you know, so she was, uh, she was, uh, uh, dating. Machine Gun Kelly, I yeah, think. Yeah, Machine Gun Kelly, yeah. but they just broke up, literally just like a, a little bit ago. So, you know, um, that's hmm. done, so, so maybe Megan Fox. There you go. Maybe. Number yeah. six, Sorinda Swan. Hmm. Sorinda, another low-key one, Mike, Sorinda Swan. Uh, I think this is a good option. She seems pretty low-maintenance. Sorinda Swan. Yeah, S-S-E-R-I-N-D-A, Swan. Sorinda Swan. You've seen the face. I know you have. If you see... If oh, you... yeah, yeah, wow. Oh, she's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of her posts on social media, very artsy, you know? Mm-hmm. She seems to be in conservation. There's a lot, there's a lot of upsides for, for Leo on that one. Sorinda Swan. Yeah. You know? Then last, as number seven... Charlize Theron. Charlize. Charlize Theron. 47 (laughs) years old, man. 47. Yeah. I think it would work. She's into activism, too. You know? She's got those great Christian Dior ads for J'adore. Mm -hmm. You know, where she comes morphing out of the pool like a Terminator. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Mike, we've got seven ladies. Seven. Yeah. We've We've got Hayden. Olivia, Jessica, Kate, Megan, Sorinda, Charlize. Now, obviously, there's a lot riding on this, Mike, because Mm -hmm. Leo is going to go with whoever you choose. There's no question about it. That's a fact. He is taking Mm -hmm. your decision 100%. So who are you thinking? What are you thinking? Hmm. Well, I'm going to go with, uh, and I didn't know who she was until I gave her a little Google. Just Jessica Lowndes. Oh, man. man. The eyes are bringing you in, right? Those are. are, She's a very nice-looking lady. Oh, yes. I agree, Mike. That's why I put her on the list. I put her on the list. And you know what? Uh, Now, Leo has her on the list. Now, Leo, uh, congratulations, Jessica Lowndes. You're going out with Leonardo DiCaprio now. Thanks to the Doc You're G welcome. show. Sweet. Yes. Uh, and she is over the age of 30. So Twitter, you can lay the <laughs> off. All right. He's <laughs> he's dating somebody that's uh, roughly in his age range. It's still uh-huh. a decade, but it's fine. You know? Anyways, Mike, now that we've got that out of the way, now that we have solved Leo's conundrum, are you ready to fire up the show? Let's fire up the show, Doc G. Bye. It's up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Mike, we have a country music legend. That's right. An actual legend. 
This guy, nice. he's in the Country Music Hall of Fame. He's won Grammys. He's literally played with them, with them all. Think of somebody that's amazing in country music, mm. and probably not not even in country music. Think of just rock, rock music. Think of American music. He's done it. He's so true. Literally played with everybody you can think of. Mr. Marty Stewart on the show today. Can't wait to talk to Marty. We've got a short interview with him because he's a busy, important man. But we're going to chat with him. i got a bunch of questions. I've whittled it down to just a few of them. Going to try to keep it within the lines of what his manager said. Don't go over 15 minutes. <laughs> what? So we're going to try to keep it within that range. But first, Mike. We need to start where we start. The birthday suit. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Mike, you are 12.5 out of 18. Wow. Okay. Can you believe you would have, if I would have said at the, near the end of February, you would be over, and for anybody that's looking for percentages, that's 69%. Correct that <laughs> nice. Mike is at. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> but, like, if I would have told you, Mike, 69%, it almost makes me start questioning, am I being biased for Mike just innately? Am I trying now to help him? So I might just have to throw in some impossible ones here in a little bit just to okay. make myself feel better. But All this right. first one I think you've got, Mike. I think you've got. All right. you got to get his real name on this one, right? Okay. Because he's got, gotcha. like, you know, he's got a stage name. I but got you got to get the yeah. real name. Born okay. on February 22nd, 1962 in Victoria, Australia. His parents were both involved in wildlife. They started the Queensland Reptile and Fauna Park. Our birthday suit wearer grew up around many different reptiles, including crocodiles. On uh, At the age of nine, our birthday suit wearer started handling crocodiles. In 1991, he took over the family park, and in 1998, they renamed it the Australian Zoo. In 1997, our birthday suit wearer started a reality TV show known as The Crocodile Hunter. He became a global sensation on Animal Planet. He appeared on The Tonight Show, movies like Dr. Doolittle 2, and commercials. He was greatly involved in environmentalism. Sadly, our birthday suit wearer was killed in 2006 by a short tail stingray when they were filming uh, for a documentary called Ocean's Deadliest. A day commemor commemor commemorating our birthday suit wearer was started on November 15th because that was the birthday of one of his favorite tortoises from the Galapagos Islands. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Name that birthday suit wearer. The incredible Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin is correct. Mike, I don't know about you. Did you love did you love the Crocodile Hunter? Like do you love watching I that show? Love that guy, yeah. And I actually I love his kids too. His kids are they're uh they picked up right where he left off. Oh yeah. In my opinion. Oh yeah. yeah. They don't have as I, I I will say they don't have as much energy as him. Yeah, no, you can't match that energy. Like, no his energy was, un like, he would not sleep for, like, four days on some crazy, insane trip, and then he'd go sprinting off into the jungle and pull a snake out, coming out super excited, and you're just like, <laughs> yeah, what? What are you yeah, doing? He's a wild man. I just I just loved him, man. Uh, at the time, uh, when, the when the show first came out, I didn't have cable, 
growing up because I was a loser. Lame. And yeah, my brother, same. my brother was in college, and so he had cable, and he would record uh, uh, the the crocodile hunter, and I'd watch it, and I was just like, "This is this is awesome. I love yeah. this. This is yeah. awesome." He was just like so cool, man. So fun too. You're just like, I want to hang with that dude. You know? Yeah, like so enthusiastic about just everything. nature, nature, yeah. life. He'd be like, Hey, we got a couple of island, uh, a couple of hours before our next taping. Let's go surfing, huh? And then yeah, he'd just right? show him, you know, surfing out there. Him and his him and his mate, as they say, since yeah. they're from Australia. You know, it's just awesome. Hats off. Yeah. I hope. I hope. You know, it's like you said. I I hope uh, his kids carry it on, man. They continue to carry it They on. definitely are. You know? I saw this video recently of his son getting bit by a snake the same way his dad was bit. And it's like a side-by-side -side comparison video. And mm. like him and his dad both have like the same reactions and reactions. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, Robert. Robert Irwin. Robert yeah. Irwin is his son and then Bendy. Bendy, Bendy Irwin. Irwin. Yeah. yeah. Bendy has a kid now. Wild. Yeah, she's married. Wild. Kids. Yeah. yeah. How does that happen? It's crazy. Anyway. She's like a little kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's like tw 23 <laughs> or happened? something. 24. Crazy. Anyways, I could be completely wrong on that. Nope. Anyways, happy birthday to the Crocodile Hunter. If you haven't watched any Crocodile Hunter and you're listening to this show, uh, I don't recommend stopping this show, but as soon as you finish listening to this show, waste some mm -hmm. more time by watching Crocodile Hunter. Yeah. Uh, it'll be worth your while. Mike. For sure. Are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip some headlines, Doc G. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Mike, I'm going to start with a very important starting story. Word. Got a headline from the New York Post. Uh-oh. Quote, average penis length has grown in 30 years. Doctors yes. call it concerning. Hmm. So mm. I call it a win. <laughs> Mike, I will say after reading this title, I thought I'm over the age of 30 and I have seen zero growth. Oh. Was, <laughs> was this supposed to happen individually? Because if so, I'm defective. I'm just going to say <laughs> this hasn't worked for me in particular, but... Anyways, Mike, just just so you know, it's out there. You've, it, there's competition. There's competition. Yeah, and there is. Mike, are you a lover of true <laughs> crime shows? Uh, yeah, definitely. Word. They're always fun to watch. Uh, this probably won't surprise the listeners. I'm not. Nope. You know? Yeah, I'm not at all. And it's uh, yeah, why do I need evidence that there are crazy, bloodthirsty nut jobs running around this earth? That's. You're not surprising me. You're just depressing no. me with every story. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> oh, oh, that's horrible, you know? So true. You know? But the reason I brought yeah. that up is I've got a headline relating to that. So here's the headline. Uh, headline we have is expert says there's a psychological reason we're obsessed with true crime shows. Hmm. Now, without reading the uh, the actual article, Mike, I can give you the reason. You're all <laughs> up. Stop watching. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. that's that's why. But in the article, Mike, they say a new survey of 2,000 true crime fans 
uh, said that, or 76% of them said, they feel watching shows helps them avoid similar situations happening to them. Mm. Huh? And then research scientist Colton uh, Scrivener said true crime can have a learning component to it, or at least a perceived learning component. So if this dangerous situation were to occur, you feel a little bit more prepared and know what you should or shouldn't do. So, Mike, let me go ahead and say, if any of you out there, including yourself, Mike, if you are part of that 76%, you're wrong. <laughs> you will not avoid these situations. I can go ahead and tell you. Nope. That's yeah. that's like me practicing how to jump out of the way of the next lightning strike during a thunderstorm. Yeah. <laughs> no point. No yeah. point. Not going to be able to do it. Like, what do you think you're going to do? Realize, like, are you like how like how you're going to realize you're on as a crazy psychopath that chops people up in her basement? Like, you don't need a show for that. Yeah. You know? Huh. <laughs> Seem, seems like Aunt Tessa sure has a lot of cleavers. You, you know what? I haven't seen Uncle Derek in a while, but I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure he's why not in the basement have so many padlocks. Yeah. <laughs> why do you always freak out when I touch that door? It's really <laughs> weird. Like, it's, it's, come on. Come on, Mike. Stop yeah. watching true crime, people. Stop mm -hmm. it. Stop it, you weirdos. Anyways, Mike, speaking of not good things to watch, have you ever watched Kelly and Ryan Girl, come on. live? Kelly live with Kelly and Ryan in the morning. Uh, yeah, when I was uh, I was like trapped on vacation and yep. the only thing on was Kelly and Ryan. Yeah. yeah. I did watch a little bit of their it's fiasco. Now, it's now become Kelly and Mark. Live with Kelly and Mark. Really? Yep. Because Ryan Seacrest has announced after seven years he's leaving the show. Hmm. Wow. And I got to tell you, Mike, it seems like Kelly just wears out co-host. So true. Like. She's a lot. She's got too much energy, man. Yeah, she's, she seems like a lot. I was thinking about this. I was barely in high school when she started hosting live. That's how mm -hmm. long she's been on that show. Was that with Regis? Yeah. She yeah. was in her 20s when she started mm. live. She's really? 52, Mike. Wow. Jeez. 52, and she was in her, barely, barely in her 20s, but she was in her 20s when she started that show. 29. Wow. So has she been on there longer than Regis? When, like, wasn't he, like, the original? I don't know. I'd have to go back, but she's definitely huh. close. She might be longer than Regis. Wow. She's hosted with Regis, Michael Regis Strahan, who? <laughs> Regis yeah. Philman, and yeah, sure. uh, Michael Strahan and Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. Now, Michael Strahan, yeah. if you're wondering, Mike, who Mark is, do you know who Mark is? Hmm. No. That's her husband, Mark Consuelos. Oh! And for that, I'm out. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to say to Mark, Mark, that's a bad move, man. That is a bad move. You got no time off from each other. Mm. You're going from yeah. home to work, just seeing each other constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
How do you have lively banner at the start of a show? That is... Imagine me and you being married, Mike. First of all, <laughs> would have kicked marriage, am I right? That'd be a great, yeah. yeah. Second, the That'd show would blow. Nobody would want to listen to this show. I'd be like, hey, Mike, what do you think about this? And you'd be like, we talked about that last night, Jack. <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, but what about this? And you'd be like, yeah, yeah, you said you didn't like it last night before you ate the last piece of pizza, <laughs> you piece of you know, how about like, you tell our guests how you don't do the dishes? Exactly. <laughs> like, it would just, no, horrible. Not an ideal situation at all, Mike. Not, <laughs> not ideal. Uh, Mike, I've got something pretty interesting coming on the auction block at Sotheby's. Yes. You, you know, the world-famous Sotheby's? Oh, yeah. They do the big, they, they got the, the, the big, big stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They are going to be auctioning off the world's oldest Hebrew Bible. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. So it's it's known as the Codex Sassoon. Codex Sassoon, named after the previous owner, David Solomon Sassoon, who acquired the Bible in 1929. He, uh, this guy, David Sassoon, assembled one of the most significant private collections of Judaic and uh, Hebrew manuscripts in the 20th century. Uh, the documents... Uh, the document, the Codex Sassoon, offers a critical link bridging Jewish oral tradition to the modern Hebrew Bible. Mm. So Sotheby's said the Codex Sassoon has been dated to either the late 9th century or the earliest, or early 10th century uh, by both scientific dating and paleographic grounds. <laughs> wow. Yes. That's insane. Like, why isn't this stuff going to a museum? Why That's, is... I definitely I, said the same thing, Mike. <laughs> I definitely said the same thing. Now, before I go into any more detail, how much do you think this Bible is going to go for? Hmm. What do you think they're estimating how much it's going to be? Uh, this one, this is the first number that comes to mind, 1.5 million. But, Doc G, I have no idea how money works. I have no idea how it works when it comes to this stuff. They're estimating $50 million, Mike. Ah, uh, yeah. There we 50, go. All right, that's a better price. $50 million. Now, mm. I will jump in. The oldest copies of biblical texts that have ever been found, do you know what they are, Mike? Hmm. Little history here. The uh, aren't they like the actual? Now I, I I'm just guessing. looks like you are almost got it. Oh are no, scrolls, no. scrolls, Mike. Okay. Dead Sea scrolls. scrolls. They were the discovered in a cave back in 1947, and uh, like you know, that's what I started thinking about when I started thinking about this book. I mean, granted, it's pretty wild. This book is really old, you know. Like, I mean, you think about it. This book is literally about 1,200 years, give or take, old. Jeez. And it's a real book. Like, it's a giant old book, right? Yeah. But, like, I started thinking about it. And I was like, yeah, it is old. But it's not like Jesus was using this book, you know? No. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the Dead Sea Scrolls, they literally are from the time period of Jesus. That's yeah. wild. You yeah. know, 
But this book is from the middle of the Dark Ages. Like, literally mm-hmm. the lamest time period there was. That's when this book yeah. is from. And I'm just like, eh. Yeah. Yeah, plus, they had like, a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But plus, like you said, man, I just kept thinking, like, shouldn't we have this in a museum? Yeah. Like, not some rich dude's house where he's like, hey, check it out. It's a really old Bible. Sweet. I have billions of dollars. That's a really yeah. old Bible. There you go. Like, just, I mean, yeah, seems a little bit much, you know? Yeah. It's just... Yeah. Like, also, like, I sort of thought about the rich dude buying it. And I'm like, where, what's, what's the motivation to buy it? You know? Like, besides being a really cool piece of history, like, what's the motivation? Do they think they're going to die and they're going to get to heaven and they're going to be like, hey, good job on getting that really old copy of the Bible. Totally wouldn't have gotten in if you wouldn't have bought that thing. Nicely done. Nice, like, what's, what? I don't. I don't get it, Mike. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't put know. It, Maybe it's. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Put put it put it in a museum. That's me and Mike. Can't vote. even guess. Yeah, like what's the point? Yeah. Put put it in a museum. That's what me and Mike say. Stop stop wasting it on goofy other things, Mike. I've got two more stories, but I'm going to hold them until after the break. Right now, we're going to take a break. We're going to hear from our guest, Marty Stewart. This is his new song, Altitude, right here on the Doc G Show. On the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, what do the listeners need to do? Well, if the listeners feel like the show is a positive waste of their time, Mm -hmm. please subscribe. Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe. It's a terrific zero-cost way to to support us. And uh, if they're feeling extra generous, obviously, please leave a five-star review and comments. We love comments. Amen, Mike. And right now, we need to thank those folks that listen to the show. First, we do the regulars. Here we go. Let's the shout regs. them out. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Genoa, Italy, Richardson, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Biloxi, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, Toms River, New Jersey, Olive Branch, Mississippi, Asheville, North Carolina, and Los Angeles, California. Yeah. And Spartansburg, South Carolina. Nice. There we go. Regulars. Yep. Regulars, man. Good list. Good list around the world representing Italy, Ireland, Brazil, all in the house. Thank you guys for listening. Mike, semi-regulars. Got some interesting ones here. Got some interesting ones. Shout out to New York, New York. Shout out to Columbus, Ohio. Shout out to Atlanta, Georgia. Shout out to Athens, Georgia. Shout out to Chicago, Illinois. Shout out to Richmond, Virginia. 
Shout out to Canton, Connecticut. Shout out to New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, okay, let me let me try to work on this pronounce uh, pronunciation here. Hmm. Okay, Okanomawak, <laughs> Okanomawak, Wisconsin. There we go, Okanomawak, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, get back at me. Let me know if I did that right. That one. I thought I, I lost you for a second there, Doc. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, there was some pondering on that one because, man, that is a lot of O's. Uh, you got to work around those syllables. That one's a tough one. Uh, Houston, yeah. Texas. Waynesboro, Mississippi. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Seattle, Washington. Hey. Trenton, New Jersey. And lastly, Toulouse, France. Shout out. Yes. Mm. Yes, shout out to all the semi-regs, Mike. couple semi-regs getting there fairly regular. They got a couple weeks before they could hit the regular list. Athens, Georgia, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They got a couple more weeks, guys. Keep it regular. Nice. You'll get on that regular list. Mike, we've got a real quick previously on the Doc G Show. You asked for it. So here we go. There we go. Previously on the Doc G Show. Uh, Mike, I mentioned we both were talking about it. Uh, LeBron James's birthday, and you were like, "When mm-hmm. is LeBron James's birthday? Is it coming up?" And I was like, "No, no, 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 it's in December." And I first said before Christmas, and then I remembered. I was like, "No, no, no, it's not before Christmas. It's after Christmas." And I was like, "The 28th? Pretty sure it's the 28th." I was two days off, Mike. Girl, come on. The 30th. December the 30th. 30th. I was very close. Trying. I was very close. I was a little upset, but, you know, um, there's another birthday that I don't screw up on, and uh, that would be Michael Jordan's. We actually just passed that, Mike. Uh, It's February 17th. He just turned 60, Mike. The big 6-0 for Jordan. Can you believe it? That is wild, man. Just turned 60 years old. Greatest basketball player of all time. February 17th. Happy birthday, Michael Jordan. Great times. Yeah. Great times. I've been loving the uh, compilation, the 60th uh, birthday compilation videos they've been throwing on Instagram. Get a lot of them out there, man. Yeah. Get a lot out of them. He is a net worth of $1.7 billion, according to Forbes, this this year, which isn't bad, you know? It's not Mm -hmm. bad. A little bit more than I have. A little bit more pirate Just a little bit. Anyways, Mike, uh, we need to move on. I need to get to those two stories that I have left over. Uh, first, Mike, uh, you may have seen this story. Uh, it's been it's been floating around a bunch. Uh, I saw a story about Edhara Perez. Edhara Perez, she's a 11 year old from Mexico that graduated high school at the age of seven years old. She's working on two degrees in engineering, and she has a IQ of 162. Jeez. So for folks who don't know, that's pretty high up there. Can't yeah. get too much higher than that. You can, but that's really hard to do, right? Now, it's a feel-good story, Mike, because yeah. at Hara, she was bullied in high school uh, because she's autistic. She's on the spectrum. Hmm. Yeah. So, so, you know, but despite the bullying, you know, obviously she's been successful, you know, 
she's accomplished a lot. It's amazing. Uh, and apparently, uh, she eventually wants to work for NASA. She wants to be an astronaut, and she wants to go to Mars. Hmm. Very cool. I am 100% yeah. Team Adhara. I just want to go on the record. But as listeners know, I'm going to go slightly negative. Wait, what? There's one reason why I'm going to go <laughs> negative on this story. Here's the issue that I had with the stories. Nothing to do with Adhara. She's amazing. She's doing her deal. Yes! But in every story, they kept mentioning how she has a higher IQ than Albert Einstein. Word. Literally, I saw like 20 different stories and they all said this in their title, Mike. Mm -hmm. That was a little offensive to me. Why is that? Because. Let me give you an analogy, Mike. Let's okay. let's think about an analogy. Uh, we just mentioned Michael Jordan. Let's, yes. let's say one day you go out and you hit 10 for 10 foul shots out at the park. And you know, at one point in his life, Michael Jordan hit nine out of 10 foul shots. Mm. And you go, yeah. I just hit 10 for 10. I have a higher basketball score than Michael Jordan. No, no. Right. Did, did no. you beat Michael Jordan by comparing your attempts of free throws at one given point in time to his? Yes. Mm, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. On yeah. top of that, Mike, Albert Einstein's IQ ranged from 160 to 190, depending on the test. There's variations in those tests. Mm. She did not technically beat him on all of those tests. There's a range. Yeah. More importantly, yeah. much, much more importantly here, Mike, Albert Einstein won the Nobel Prize in physics. He developed mm -hmm. the theory of relativity, which changed our whole perception of physics. He came up right. with the mass-energy equivalents. He predicted gravitational waves 100 years before they were actually observed. Yeah, I'm well, just, he wasn't so sure about the gravitational waves, right? Girl, come on! He said they were there, <laughs> and they happened. I'm, ju I'm ju totally joking, Tachi. <laughs> I'm just saying, Yeah. like Michael Jordan, he didn't just perform at some test. He right. balled. He balled. Yeah, he did. You know? Like I said, don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm 100% team at Hara. I'm just saying, mm -hmm. let's not get ahead of our skates here. Let's just say <laughs> she's awesome. She's 10,000 times smarter than me. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. That's all we need to say. You know? Yeah. Also, I'll, I'll tell her, stop with the Mars thing. What the that? Yeah. <laughs> no. We need to fix our planet. Focus on our yeah. planet at Hara. That's true. We could really use some intelligent folks right here, not on Mars. One mm -hmm. planet at a time. Let's go with this one first, you know? Mm -hmm. But congratulations, Ed Hara, for being a genius. That's fantastic. Hopefully she does end up on NASA. And you know what? Yeah. Maybe she will go to Mars, and I'll be like, hmm, yeah, I don't really want to go, but that's fantastic that somebody went. Mm. Amazing, yeah. you know? I still, I still am adamant, Mike. I don't want to go to Mars. I don't know about you, but... Nope. Unless I, there's something apocalyptic going on here, I don't want to go to Mars. No way. No. Mm -mm. I do. I, I'm, I'm down for it. No. I just watched the, uh, the new documentary on uh, Netflix, the new uh, SpaceX documentary. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm Let's go to Mars. No. The moon first. Thank you. Moon bases. Nope. And then we go to Mars. Both of them look 
to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, they do. They do look. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like you get at the top of a mountain in Colorado. There's no there. There's no trees. You're isolated. It's desolate. That's what it looks like all the time, yeah. everywhere. No, mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah. Mm-mm. Nope. Find me a planet like on Star Wars with little teddy bear-like creatures and giant trees where they have tree houses, <laughs> and I will be at that planet, Mike. You can count yeah. me in. I will take that trip. But until that happens, no. No for me, Not Mike. <laughs> Mike, I, I, last story here. I don't know if you saw this. There was an owl that escaped from uh, the Central Park Zoo. Hmm. February 2nd, a Eurasian eagle owl named Flacco. Eurasian eagle owl named Flacco. He escaped from the the zoo. And he didn't really fly away. He basically had just been hanging around the park. You know? He flew out of the zoo, and then he's like, ah, well, it's a pretty nice park. The rest of this area is city. I think I'll just stay in this park. So he's just been flying (laughs) around. He's just been flying around Central Park. And uh, zoo officials were pretty concerned because they didn't think that Flacco would be able to hunt on his own. They thought that, you know, he was going to sort of just die out there because he wouldn't know what to do. But, uh, and, and so they were trying to get him back into the zoo. They set up traps for him, you know, and they'd play owl calls and they had bait out for him. And he'd just look at them like, you guys are morons. And then would fly off somewhere else. And uh, apparently, Mike... They're pretty jazzed because Flacco is out there just dominating the park now. <laughs> yeah. He's just he's out there eating all kinds of rats from the park. Like yeah. he he's like having a full on buffet of fast food of just disgusting rats that he's like, this is delicious. Great. Great. David Barrett, who's been following the search, said he's made a remarkable move from being a captive owl to being in the wild much faster than anyone would have expected. He's catching prey on his own. He continues to fly better and better. He seems to be uh, be enjoying himself out there. (laughs) So, Mike, I I just got to say, well, uh, and to give you a synopsis, the folks at the zoo have just decided to give up their search. So they're just like, you know what? Let Flacco just hang out in in the yeah. park. That's fine. Whatever. Sweet. You know. So if you're going to Central Park, you may run into Flacco, the Eurasian eagle owl, eating some rats. He may be out there. You may see him. Um, the only thing I could think about this story, though, Mike, was I was like, they didn't think that he'd be able to hunt. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, I know he'd been in the zoo for ten years, but he's an animal. He's a wild animal. Like, he'd been in there 10 years, but come on. He's going to get out there, and when he gets hungry, he's going to eat things. Yeah. He's going to go in hunt mode. Like, and he's probably he's probably had rats in his, like, enclosure before. In fact, yeah, New one York wandered in there, sadly, and just got demolished by him. Yeah. He's like, like, huh, like, curious creature. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to eat this thing. Like, <laughs> come on, man. If that, owl, if that owl could, if we were a little bit smaller, he'd eat all of us. You know, for look, sure, for look, sure. Look at that tasty human over there. I'm going to fly oh, yeah. down and pick him up. Like, come on. Good job, Flacco. You keep searching out those rats, man. Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back with a legend, a legend of country music, Marty Stewart, right here on the Doc G Show. 
Doc G Show. Because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We have a fantastic guest on the show with us today. Winner of five Grammys, a member of the music, uh, Country Music Hall of Fame, and an absolute country legend, Mr. Marty Stewart. Marty, how are you, sir? I'm great, Ben. Happy New Year to you. <laughs> yes, you too. Hopefully 2023 is going off well. You're in Ohio for a show. You've got nine shows scheduled with the fabulous superlatives for February. Five of those are in our great state here of Florida. Um, but I was thinking of this when I was looking at your tour schedule. I mean, you've been touring for for over 50 years mm-hmm. and, and just not nonstop, really. Do you ever get tired of it? Does it feel the same every time you go out on stage? Well, I still love it. I mean, there's still, you know, every year needs a certain appropriation of the smell of diesel fuel and applause. <laughs> I'm addicted to it. And the charm of the spotlight. Still love it. Yeah, nice. there comes a time, it's time to get off the bus and go home and, and take a break. And then there comes a time when the to-do list gets done at home, it's time they get back on the bus. So I love the dance of it, I, but I still love the road. I see. That's awesome. That, that is awesome. Now, I mean, in your touring history, I mean, I think most listeners probably know this, but you've, you've toured with literally the biggest names in country. I mean, most notably Lester Flat, Johnny Cash, Bill Monroe. And I feel like between those three names, there are like 20 volumes of music and life lessons to be had um thinking about those three guys uh with each one of those gentlemen lester johnny and bill what would you say sort of the most important thing you learned from each one of them would be well all three of those people uh were authentic Mm -hmm. they were authentically who they were Mm -hmm. and Trends kind of seemed to come and go around them. Mm-hmm. They were not slaves to trends or, you know, whatever was going on at the moment. They all went out of style from time to time, but they all came back into style from time to time. Mm-hmm. They were perpetual. Mm-hmm. They were just kind of standard-bearing kind of characters. Mm-hmm. And I think their authenticity is what fueled that and their creative vision and their just tenacity. And there was a work ethic that existed. Yeah. And that's a common bond between those three people. Too. Nice. Nice. Well, now, uh, going go specifically with Johnny Cash, we had we had great producer uh, David Ferguson on the show um, several months ago. Let me stop you right there. A great producer named David Ferguson. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love Ferguson. He t- that's awesome. T- talk about authentic. Da- Fer- Fergie is authentic. That's what he is. <laughs> Fergie is a knucklehead. It takes one to know one. I'm proud of Ferg. I know how far he's come, man. He is worthy of his praise. He he told us when he was on the show about the first time he met Johnny uh, when he was working uh, with Cowboy, and um, mm-hmm. 
it, it was it was pretty I mean it was a pretty memorable moment there of meeting him randomly in Cowboy Jack's uh, 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 bedroom looking at an, a piece of exercise equipment that Cowboy Jack had had uh, purchased and I was wondering do you remember the first time that you met uh, Johnny Cash? It was in Cowboy Jack Clemens' office. Uh, <laughs> I, a buddy of mine da- named Danny Farrington was building him a guitar. And I kept, I needed a job because Lester had passed away, and I kept up with the progress of the guitar mm-hmm. and with an understanding to Farrington that I wanted to go with him when he delivered the guitar. And, and when I, the door swung open, there was Cowboy and John, and Cowboy. Uh, was dancing with a martini on his head, which he could do because he was an instructor at the Arthur Murray Dance School, you understand. And John was singing the Wabash Cannonball. And so there you have it. <laughs> talk talk about country music busting through the door there. That's nice. Telling you. But now, I, when you look at that list, and everybody always brings up this sort of just you, you know, being immersed with these just, again, legends if you could have added anybody when you think of the people that you've played with and toured with if there's somebody that you didn't have a chance with that you would have loved to tour and perform with who would it be jimmy rogers and hank Woods. Mm. Mm. yeah they didn't get any better than that yeah yeah that's uh that, that that's a that's a trip down history and that would be uh amazing and i mean talk about that history I, I think a lot of people talk about your sort of encyclopedia of knowledge of american music and obviously especially country music and i absolutely love the ken burns documentary on country music i love all of his documentaries but especially the country music documentary and i heard you reached out to him about that project um T- tell us a little bit how you actually became involved in that because I absolutely love the documentary. Well, while Connie's kids was home for Christmas and headed back to Taiwan, and on the way out the door to the airport, he said, I saw Ken Burns on TV last night. He said he was thinking about doing a show on country music. And the next couple of days, I wrote him a fan letter. He said, I'm here. Uh, you need me for anything. I hear you thinking about this. And... A few weeks later, the superlatives and Connie's steel player, Gary Carter, came out to our house and we took cheeseburgers and played country music in the living room and we went to work on the show the next day and it was like an eight-year process. But last night, uh, one of the episodes popped on the PBS in Nashville and Connie and I sat on the couch and watched it. Mm-hmm. And I remember I said to her, I said, you know, 100 years from now, this is going to be good. Oh, and yeah. It's, it's a good show. For sure. For sure. Well, I heard you say you're a fan of his documentaries, like aside from the country music documentary. What would you say your favorite is outside of the country music documentary? I, I don't know that I have a favorite. I, I just think his is like a, a stream. It's just like a river of, of knowledge and wealth of information. Um, what, I, what excited me about him doing a country music show, I knew that it would help balance out country music's credibility perhaps mm-hmm. and integrity factor mm-hmm. and I knew that all of a sudden that when he got through this show we would be in the same atmosphere as the Roosevelt's and the state parks and jazz <laughs> and baseball and the Civil War I knew that there'd be an audience perhaps that you know would consider country music in a way that it never had before 
Oh yeah, and it was and it would serve the old audience with a reward that they probably never thought they would see. And if 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 used properly, uh, it it could serve as a you know a, a palatable way for young people that are starting to play country to understand whose shoulders are standing on. So oh. it was a win-win for everybody. A hundred and and it's like you said, it's it's a river of knowledge. The amazing thing with those documentaries that I, I, I could say is you could you could make that a history class and you could put in his documentary for World War Two and Vietnam, merge them into the country music and show the social aspects and and you know entertainment aspects of history. It's just it's it's amazing. And it's it's like you said, there's so many things in there that uh, most folks, the majority of people out there, would not think of as far as uh, what he brings up. He has a way in all of his shows of making you go, "I didn't know that." If you take the time yeah. to watch it, and he also has a way of making you understand that whatever he's telling you about, it's a part of you and me, it's a part of our lives, it's a part of the atmosphere of our lives, mm-hmm. whether it was a hundred years ago or about 100 years in the future it's like it's he just has a way of doing that and he they're really good at it and they're great people at the bottom one. they're great people nice them. nice well now now speaking of ken he's actually working on he's a part of another project with you a very big project that you have going on in your hometown the congress of country music and last month you had the grand opening of the ellis theater which is a phase one of the Congress of uh, Country Music Project. Give us just a little bit of a background on what this is, the Congress of Country Music. Well, it's a cultural center dedicated to the preservation and furtherance of traditional country music. I call it kind of a spiritual home of country music in the Magnolia State. Uh, spiritual home of rock and roll is Elvis's birthplace up in Tupelo. Mm-hmm. And I would say the spiritual home of the blues down there is B.B. King's place. The Grammys put in a cool facility on the campus of Delta State. Mm-hmm. And so I think country music's treasure chest will be in my hometown of Philadelphia. That's what it is. Nice. Nice. Well, now, uh, for the stu- uh, for the uh, listeners that don't know, uh, you are going to contribute a lot of your personal items of country music in this in the Congress of Country Music and you own some just amazing things. Jimmy Rogers guitar, Johnny Cash's first black performance suit, handwritten copy of Hank Williams' I Saw the Light. I mean, I, I feel like those things alone, I was just thinking about when I read those things, like if you put those up at an auction, that would be millions of dollars. I mean, even though they're priceless, that would have to go right. for millions of dollars. Like, what would you say your most prize piece can you choose one is there one thing that you think like oh, i just i couldn't give that up there's no way connie's connie smith <laughs> <laughs> that's that yes i could see that yeah. that would make so sense beyond that beyond that uh i don't know there's twenty thousand pieces wow. at that level wow and uh it's a, it's a notable you know Man. body of yeah uh, i don't know the things you mentioned are pretty strong I love the manuscripts. I love Hank Williams' writing, mm-hmm. Johnny Cash's writing, all those, you know, first 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 draft manuscripts of songs that went on to change the world in a way. For sure. 
for sure. Now, you, uh, the opening of the Ellis Theater, you had some great artists that came in to, to sort of break it in. I mean, yourself, uh, Ricky Skaggs, Vince Gill, um, all all had performances. And I, I thought of this when when I was watching the, the Ken Burns documentary, and I sort of thought about it uh, at other times. You know, you and you and Ricky had sort of similar deal, at least in my mind, as far as growing up being sort of young phenoms in country. Uh, you know, starting out playing the mandolin, playing with Bill Monroe, getting those chances. He's a little bit older than you. When you got started out with Lester Flats, had you heard of him? Did you have any thoughts like they think that guy can play the mandolin? I'll show him. My dad, my dad took me to. Bill Monroe's Bean Blossom Bluegrass Festival in 1971. Mm-hmm. And we were, I was just really falling in love with bluegrass music. Mm-hmm. And it was like Old Testament kind of characters, the you know, Stanleys and Lester yeah. and Bill Monroe, all those old characters. But the minute we pulled into the Bean Blossom Indiana Park, I saw two young guys getting on Ralph Stanley's bus, and it turned out it's Keith Whitley and Ricky Skaggs. I went, oh, so young people do this too. But my buddy Carl Jackson... 25 miles up the road with a whiz kid banjo player and he was already playing with um, Jim and Jesse at the Grand Ole Opry mm-hmm. but the minute I stepped into that bluegrass world I kind of saw what I saw immediately was oh uh, there's a lot of young people doing this too Sam Bush and the Bluegrass Revival mm-hmm. United Oklahoma with Vince Gill Mark O'Connor a lot of us got our wheels up at bluegrass festivals and it was a friendly atmosphere you could pick with anybody even the master players would show up at campfires at night, and, you know, stand there and play. Yeah. Um, so it was all a classroom of sorts and a university and a spawning ground for people that were coming and going and starting their lives and careers. So it was it was a great place to be at that time. Nice. Well, now, I'm sort of thinking about that now. Can you think of any sort of young phenoms off the top of your head that are coming up that are uh, real young? Absolutely. Absolutely. Go back to the Bluegrass Festival where, you know, Billy Strings is on fire oh, yeah. right now and he plays his tail off. Uh, Ronnie McCurry's son's Dale McCurry band. You know, Ronnie mm-hmm. McCurry's kid is great. Uh, there's a lot of 12-year-old mandolin player named uh, Wyatt Ellis. He's coming on strong. Nice. Uh, there's a lot of young players. There's always a crop of young kids that are great players that are coming. For sure. so I think the Bluegrass, the Bluegrass world is pretty healthy when it comes to that. Cont- continual turnover yeah new yeah n- new folks always coming in well uh now before we go uh you just released a new single at the end of november country star uh it's a great fast-paced tune up upbeat number uh and i've heard you say you've got three albums ready to go and mm-hmm. sort of wondering are any of those going to make it out in 2023 uh altitude is the name of the next album and it comes out in March. Fantastic. Now, the instrumental, there's an instrumental record that follows that and a song that I sing in the Dark Project that is likely because it's already recorded, mixed, and videos to go with it. So laying back there as needed. <laughs> but the two that are up next that I'm dead serious is Altitude and Instrumental Record. I think we finally come up with a title called Space Jump. Mm. Mm. Now is this, is, is the instrumental, is it very traditional country what's the vibe of the tradi- uh, the uh, instrumental no it's, it's it's cinematic and it's surfy and it's noir it's, it's put the family superlatives in the room and lock them down and tell them the right 20 instrumentals and that's what happened and that's really <laughs> cool 
<laughs> but now the the one that's coming in March, what would you say the vibe of of that album is? It, is it along the same as the Country Star? Uh, I think I think you know if you heard our album Way Out West, we just kept going. We just it was intended that we would go back to California and record it at Capitol Studios, but COVID came slamming down on us. We had to, we were hot on the record. We had it rehearsed and pretty well ready to go. So mm. we wound up doing it in Nashville instead of California. But uh, I think it's just it, it's just a further stroll out into the atmosphere and cosmic cowboy land. Nice. Nice. Well, Marty, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I want to thank you for taking the time, though, to talk to us today. It has been a pleasure. Same here, pal. Have a great year, and uh, we'll see you down the road. All right, Marty. Thanks a lot. I will. Here on the Doc G Show, you just heard Marty Stewart, legend, Mike, legend. He is absolute legend. He is making the Congress of Country Music in his hometown of Philadelphia, Mississippi. Yes. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. I uh, might have to go, you know. I might have to go. Talk about, I mean, it's no Bible from the uh, 800s, but he's got some crazy memorabilia of country music. So true. Like, the stuff that he has, it's it's just insane. It's absolutely nutter butter. So I might have to, I might have to go. Might have to check it yeah. out. Oh, no. Put it on the list, Mike. Put it on the list. There we go. Mike, we need to move on to the fastest growing segment. In the world. And that would be? The Doc G Top 3. Doc G Top 3. We're doing we're doing a little bit of digging on this one. And I think yeah. I got a pretty good list. Mike, we're doing the three weirdest foods, niche foods that we could find around America oh. <laughs> that are eaten. Right? The food... Uh -huh. And then where this goes down, right? Mm. So, I've got my top three, Mike. Do you have any honorable mentions? Hmm. Uh, my bad, Doc G. Well, I feel like I may have messed this one up. I didn't get weird food. I got local delicacies, but I didn't get, like, weird local delicacies. Mike, you misunderstood the whole point of this. I am <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> okay, listeners. So, I was going for weird foods as local yeah. delicacies. Mike just went for foods. So Local delicacies. So, uh, on my part, we're going to have weird well, ones. I can't wait for your list, Doc G. So, Mike, number three local delicacy for you. Listeners, keep in mind. I'll say... Mics are just honorable. Okay, I can give you an honorable mention for a, a local delicacy that I like to try. My bad on this, Doc G. Uh, um, it would be 
<laughs> salmon from <laughs> salmon from like Washington State. Okay. So like actual salmon from Washington State. Like if you're gonna get salmon, Washington State apparently is the place to get. Oh yeah, they come out. They come upstream yeah. in Washington. Now was this fresh salmon yeah, so. that you hit up? The fresh salmon of Washington. Was it raw? Honorable mention. Was it or is it was it cooked? I mean, I would go both ways personally. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I can, uh, I could do sushi style and then also obviously grill. Okay, okay. Grill salmon. Number three, Mike. Local delicacy. What do you got? Hmm. I want to try Texas brisket, like some proper, like the cows are Roman free. They are living their best life. Sweet. Like. This restaurant barely keeps it together. That kind of Texas brisket. I couldn't really find any specific places for this, but that's that's what I would want. To, that's what I'd want to try. There's a lot of them in Austin, Mike. There's a lot yeah. of really good brisket places in Austin. That's mm-hmm. for sure. That is a good local delicacy. That is a delicious one. It goes along <laughs> with your burnt ends, Mike, which you are yes. a huge fan of. Mike, um, Very much so. My number three, now keep in mind, again, listeners, we've got a binary list going on here. We've got Mike's, which is just normal local delicacies, <laughs> and mine is weird local delicacies. So yeah. my number three, Mike, is gizzards. Gizzards. You know what gizzards are? Hmm. I mean, no, not really, to be honest with you. I really don't know what they are. It's a specialized stomach of a chicken. Word. Okay. I knew it was chicken, uh, but I also kind of thought gizzards are and everything. But now, a bunch of other animals have gizzards. Like, okay. alligators have gizzards, too. But okay. we uh, tip, typically, yeah. we see humans eating chicken gizzards. So, right. it's essentially because uh, uh, birds don't really chew. It's basically their chewing stomach. Right, so they'll mm. eat something and it goes down into the gizzard, and that's where it breaks it down, and then it goes to another stomach, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So chicken stomach, and, and you know when you think about it, as many animal products as we eat, it's not really that weird, but it's still like it's just when you think about it, you're like, eh, stomach. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah, a little weird, right? Right. Um, yeah. Now. Obviously, for gizzards, the king of eating gizzards is in the South. Like, basically every state in the South loves gizzards. But I decided to go with Potterville, Michigan, because that's where Joe's Gizzard City is. Hmm. A restaurant (laughs) dedicated to gizzards, Mike. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, but don't worry. I took a look at their menu Gizzards are not the only thing they fry. Nope. They essentially fry everything, Mike. This this is like one of the fattest menus I've ever seen. Gizzards, they fry gizzards, sweet corn nuggets, chicken, <laughs> shrimp, hamburgers, full hamburgers they fry, pickles, jalapenos, hot dogs, full hot dogs, fry the up, mozzarella sticks, pork rinds, olives, Cauliflower, mushrooms. They fry it all, Mike. Jeez. They yeah. fry it all. Do they fry the tripe? You ever heard of the tripe? You, you ever oh, seen sure. that in the grocery store tripe? Yeah. Uh, that almost weird. made my list. But it did. Didn't make it. <clears throat> really? Didn't make it yeah. over one and two. One and two, I've got some weird ones. I've got some weird ones. So number two, okay. Mike, what do you got? Hmm. So number two, I 
I mean, I hate to switch it up, but I did just think of a local delicacy that is weird that I think you can only get in Pennsylvania, but I'll give you two. Scrapple? Okay, so I'm going to say Scrapple. Yeah. I want to try Scrapple. I'm, I'm going to try Scrapple in my life. Scrapple, um, Scrapple, you know, it's weird. It's definitely a weird product. Uh... It looks weird. Because it's everything, right? It's everything. Well, it's basically, yeah, it's like, hey, we got some scraps left of the pig. Let's put them together. It's sort of, yeah. I mean, it's basically, to me, it's like a homemade version of Spam, pretty much, for mm. for uh, uh, Pennsylvania. That's what it is. And they, they fry yeah. it up like that, you know? You get just little squares of it, and then you fry it up. And uh, I gotta say, I bet you it's pretty good. That's a fact. Probably pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, it's probably. <laughs> now, probably. Mine's a little like that. My number two, Mike. My number two is head cheese. Head cheese. You know what head cheese is? Mm, no, not the proper type of head cheese, I don't think. <laughs> so head cheese. Whatever your head cheese is. It's, it's, it's a cold cut of meat, essentially. So what they do, you know, instead of like being like a normal meat, they mm -hmm. they cook pretty much the whole head of an animal, usually pork, right? So you take everything off of the head, not generally the eyes and the brain. That doesn't go into the head cheese, but everything else. So like the ears, the nose, the cheeks, right. all of that stuff. And then they cook it down, and they basically stew it for a really long time, and it becomes like this gelatinous form. And then they freeze it, sort of like in a sol uh, you know, like in a, like a really thick sausage form. Ew! And then you cut slices of it, and you can like make like a like a goat cheese sandwich, or a, sorry, a head cheese sandwich. So you eat it cold, or do you warm it up, or? But you can do both. No. But generally cold, like it's usually like uh, a cold cut, and it's gross. That is, yeah. so weird. Yeah. Now yeah, this is a, a super popular dish in Louisiana, Mike. Uh, mm, head cheese. Uh, it's also known a lot of times as sauce. Sauce is what it's known as when they don't. Sauce is what it's known as when they don't really make it into the cold cut, right? Cold cut known as head cheese when they're just like cooking it on a plate. It's usually souse. That's what it's known as. Mm. But I got to be honest, so Mike. Sick. If you Google this, it looks gross. So true. You go you Google head cheese, you're going to be like, no, I, I don't think I want to eat any of that. That hmm. does not look like it's going to be that appetizing to me. No, yeah, that looks disgusting. Uh, Sorry. Very disgusting. Very disgusting. Uh, Mike, you're number right. one. Okay, so sorry, Doctor. I didn't actually finish my binary second. Was going to be Maryland crab cakes. Uh, we can we can move on, but Maryland crab cakes in Maryland, like I would really like to try. Like, huge fan of crab cakes. Okay. okay, but my number one local delicacy, yeah, uh, would be. <clears throat> we've talked about it on the show before. I am a new found, or I'm a new fan of hot chicken. Oh yeah, very much. A hot chicken fan so i would love to go to nashville and try hot chicken specifically at prince's hot yeah. chicken which is supposedly well, that's the origin of hot chicken so you got a lot of that good ones mine. there i mean you know you got yeah. you got hattie b's which uh, you've had hatties right yeah we did we actually yeah they have one of those in vegas yeah, yeah we did have that it was great you got hattie b's that's that's a great uh uh 
uh, Nashville original. Then you also got Bolton's, which Bolton's is another really fantastic one. And then, of course, Prince's. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. All, Anyways, all seem very delicious, Mike. All seem very delicious. Not weird, but delicious. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, number one for me, Mike. The weird one that I've got: Alaskan ice cream. Word. Oh man. Alaskan ice cream. You got to do this the original way because the modern way is lame. They put in a lot of good stuff that actually doesn't make it disgusting. So you got to do it the original way, Mike. The original way, you start out with some form of fat. So like caribou fat, seal oil, walrus fat. Hmm. Get a big glob of that. Then you put some sort of fish in there. Just some kind of fish. And then you add some berries. Like wild berries. Blueberries, raspberries, something in there. And then a little bit of snow. Mix in a little bit of snow. And you just mix that shit until it becomes light and fluffy. Ew. And that is Alaskan ice cream. And I'm going to be honest. Mm. That sounds like there's no way that is coming out tasting good. No way. Oh, my gosh. It is. Yeah. No, thank you. I mean... Granted, if I'm starving to death in an Alaska in Alaska during winter, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to eat it. But otherwise, that is not going to be a first option for me, Mike. Not at all. No, thank oh, you. Oh, man. Yeah, what? No, that, that looks terrible. It looks like um, it looks like hamburger before you actually cook it. A little bit. Um, but even like a little bit grosser because they have yeah they they have the uh, the berries. You got the berries in there. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty it's pretty gross, man. That is my number one. That is my number one. Honorable mentions that I had on my gross list: Mike uh, pickled pig's feet, um, really gross, and uh, chitlins as well. Which sort of goes Chitlins. on. That goes yeah. along with the gizzards, right? Because that's yeah. just the rest of the intestines there. That's pretty gross as well. I always like the grossest part to me about the chitlins is they're like, make sure you clean them out before you actually cook them. And you're just like, oh, yeah. oh you're cooking a bunch of dump tubes? That's gross. Nobody yeah. wants that. Anyways, Mike, that was our failed... Gross. Doc G top three for this week. We Sorry had about that, Doc G. That was my <laughs> fault. I will, uh, I'll, uh, two different lists. We just didn't, we didn't see eye to eye on what we were looking for. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't get the full story on what we're looking for. Now, Mike, this one I was thinking of because I don't know if you watched the dunk contest this weekend. But it was pretty great. I know you had a show, so I don't think I think you were actually. I saw uh, the highlight, the uh, Philadelphia player. Yeah, I saw his um, Mac McClung. windmill. Mac yeah. McClung. Now I want you, Mike, to go and find your top three of all time dunks in the dunk contest. Okay. Top three dunks in the dunk contest. They don't have to be weird. Just your favorites. That's it. <laughs> Got you. That's it. There we go. So next week, guys, you choose. It could be Vince Carter. It could be Dominique Wilkins. It could be Michael Jordan. It could be Mac McLung. It could be Zach Levine. It could be Aaron Gordon. It could be any mm-hmm. of the top dunks. But those are all, all the time. best ones. <laughs> those I listed several of the best right <laughs> yeah. there. Several of the best. Mike, we need to move on to the last two birthday suits. 
Uh, right now, you are 13 and a half out of 19. Super respectable. Uh, I think you can get both of these. It's There's okay. a potential. We're going to go right. actress first. Born okay. on February 22nd, 1975 in Culver City, California. Our birthday suit wearer's parents were both actors, and her grandparents were actors. Even her great-grandfather was an actor. Her godmother was actress Sophia Loren. Her godfather was Steven Spielberg. Jeez. Wow. Our birthday suit wearer started acting at the age of 11 months old when she was in a <laughs> uh, when she was in a dog food commercial. She then played the role of Gertie in E.T. Then in 1984, she played in Firestarter and then in Irrecon- Irreconcilable Differences. While her career was rolling, she struggled with addiction. She was already abusing drugs and alcohol and was placed in rehab at 13. Mm. After about a two-year period, she became emancipated from her uh, parents and moved into her own apartment at the age of 15. In the 90s, she played in multiple movies like Gun Crazy, No Place to Hide, Bad Girls. She shocked David Letterman in 1995 when she jumped on his desk and flashed him for his birthday. Wait, what? She starred in the uh, she starred in The Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler, which was a huge success. Then in 2000, she starred in Charlie's An- Angels with Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu. She then started in 50 First Dates with Adam Sandler. Then in Music and Lyrics with Hugh Grant. I forgot I saw that movie, and then I remembered when I read the title. I was like, I did see that movie. All right. (laughs) She made her director debut in 2009 with the movie Whip It. Uh, She starred in Miss You Already in 2015. In 2020, she started her own syndicated daytime talk show. And in 2021, she released her own quarterly lifestyle magazine as well. Two side notes. She's the godmother to Frances Bean Cobain, Kurt Cobain's daughter. And she holds the record for most times hosting Saturday Night Live for a female host. Name that birthday suit wearer. Drew Barrymore. That is correct. Nicely done, Mike. Yes. Nicely done. Man, she has hosted Mike Saturday Night Live seven times. Yeah, seven times, I think. Wow. She hosted the first time when she was seven. Mm. She hosted the first time when she was seven. she She holds the record for youngest host of Saturday Night Live. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely, I mean, I had no idea there that she, um, well, I did have an idea, but I, I didn't realize she was struggling with uh, uh, substance abuse at 13, which is crazy, you know? What was it? Did they, uh, any idea? Said, it said dr- dr- drugs and drinking. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, crazy. Crazy, man. Yeah. Well, hey, she's freaking acting at 11 months old. I mean, she is really just existing. Nobody's acting at 11 months. Not, 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 not at 11, <laughs> but at 13, she definitely was. Oh, yeah, for sure. And she killed it in Firestarter, by the way. Underrated movie. And Mike, but, well, maybe it's not underrated. I was wrong, Mike, six times. Six times she's mm. hosted. She first hosted when she was seven. There we go. There we go. Mm. Mike, okay. We could have a clean sweep. You could do three for three. I think it's a potential. You may have a three for three here. Uh, Okay. 
Born on February 22nd, 1950 in Long Island, New York. From a young age, our birthday suit wearer loved basketball. He was constantly playing. In high school, he received the name The Doctor that stuck in various forms through the rest of his career. He ended up going to the University of Massachusetts where he averaged 26.3 points a game and 20.2 rebounds per game. In 1971, he went uh, went into the ABA and was selected by the Virginia Squires. Fun fact, Mike, I've tried to get a jersey of his from the Virginia Squires for years since I'm originally from Virginia. Never been able to get one. It pisses me off. Anyways, he went on to play for the New York Nets for four more seasons in the ABA. He was the ABA, uh, ABA MVP three times. He was a two-time ABA champion, and he was a scoring champion three times in the ABA. In 1976, he went to the NBA to the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm. During his time in the NBA, he was an 11-time All-Star, a 7-time All-NBA player, and an NBA champion in 1983. Over his two careers in the ABA and NBA, he scored 30,026 points and had 10,525 rebounds. He was on the NBA 75th anniversary team and is in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Name that birthday suit where? Okay, I think it's, is it Julius Irving? Julius Irving is correct. Yes. Dr. J up here. Dr. J. Up here in the corner of the studio, right up there. Yeah. There is the autographed Dr. J uh, nice. photograph. A fantastic, fantastic. By the way, if you have time, uh, a super awesome NBA TV documentary yes. called The Doctor. Just an awesome, awesome mm. documentary on, on Dr. J. I, I feel like he's one of the most uh, un- underappreciated players uh, in history. Uh, he, he Because of, you know, we look at the titles. You know, and he's only got one title in the NBA, so yeah, he gets really underappreciated for that. But that dude from '76 to '85, when Jordan came in, I mean, even though there was there was magic, there was Larry. People were still talking about the Doctor all the time. That was yeah. that was it, man. Julius Irving, man, happy birthday to Doctor J, turning 73, Mike. 73 Mm. for Dr. J. 73 for Dr. J. Drew Barrymore turning 47. Or 48. Sorry, 48 for uh, Drew Barrymore. Yeah, 48. Can you believe that? She she hosted Saturday Night Live almost 40 years ago. (laughs) This is nuts. So true. Insane. (laughs) Crazy, man. And then Steve Irwin, who would have turned, let's see. What would that be? Uh, he would have turned 60, 61. 61, Steve Irwin mm-hmm. would have turned. So sad. Yeah. What, lost He'd way too soon. He'd still be out there, too. He would have. He would oh, still a be thousand percent. A thousand percent. Tackling he, crocodiles. Cartwheeling around, just yeah. picking up snakes with both hands, being like, oh, this one just bit the <laughs> of me. Can you believe that? It's crazy. <laughs> Nuts. Except he would have said it way happier than that. It would oh, not yeah. be. 
they're like, oh, he just bit me. Awesome. Yeah. And you're like, celebrate. Not, yeah. Not really. <laughs> sort of upsetting. Anyways, Mike, you just went three for three. You are Let's down go. 15 and a half for 21. My goodness. My goodness, Mike. Mike, it has been a fantastic show, but we need to wrap it up. We've got fantastic artists coming on. We've got that full interview with Jesse Dayton next week. Can't wait. Uh, Just such a great guy. Such entertaining conversation we had with Jesse Dayton. We've also got the world-famous, amazing guitarist Joe Bonamassa coming on the show. My goodness, what a blues guitarist. My goodness, he's got his own... Uh, got his own podcast. I love the name of it. Live from Nerdville. It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> nice. Um, just an awesome guitarist, dude. He's been playing sort of like uh, uh, so, sort of like Drew Barrymore there, Mike. He's he he played. He opened for BB King when he was eleven years old. Eleven years old. Wow. Yeah. 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 Just open for BB King. Open for BB King when he was eleven oh, years my gosh. old. Gosh. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, and now now he's in his forties. I mean, you just gotta wonder. Like you've been doing it for thirty years. You've seen it all. What 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 impresses you now? You yeah. open you open for BB King when you were eleven. Where do you go from that? Yeah, like, come like on. Peaked right there. It's nuts. <laughs> like, it's nuts, 11. man. But he's coming on the show. I can't wait to talk to him. We've actually had a whole bunch of the same guests on our show and his show. That's a fact. You know, he just cool. did a, he just did an album with Mark Broussard that we had on the show last year. Mm-hmm. You know, who introduced us to Pops Poe Boys, who me and you both regularly like their delicious uh, yeah. ungodly sandwiches that they put on Instagram. Beautiful. They're just yes. insane. Usually full of fat things and fried things and sauces and just everything we love. Mmm. Mm. But anyways, Mike, we need to wrap it up for this week. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, the no, 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 notorious Mikey Maximus the Furnicus Charette. Always a pleasure, Dr. Gordon. Thank you so much. Of course. Until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah. Thank you.